0: Praise the Lord. Good morning. Uh, Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. I want you to listen to this story very carefully. Um, How many have noticed that we had a very uh, fascinating weekend in the news with the Supreme Court? How many have been following that? And we've seen lots of stories, lots of... Turbulence, lots of protests, lots of um, just seems like our last couple of years have been full of this, right? And uh, immediately when I seen this story in the news, Judges chapter six. In fact, it, it extends chapter six through eight. This story immediately jumped into my spirit, and so I want you to listen very carefully to the story, um, the the detailed history of Israel during a period of time. And what's fascinating about this is Israel had been a nation for roughly 200, 225 years. Basically, they mirror us. You know, we became a nation in 1776 and uh, roughly, you know, 225 years later, this is where we're at and they're in their exact point in their history, okay? And Judges is a book that is about seven different times that they were oppressed by the enemy And they needed revival to pull them out of that oppression. Because God had warned them, don't turn your back on me and go to these false gods. And guess what they did each of the seven times? They turned their back on God, went to the false gods. They were oppressed by those same gods they turned to. And then they had to cry out to God for help and God sent help. And so at their exact moment in history is the story of Gideon. And and it mirrors us, and it just, this weekend reminded me so much of this story. So listen to this story, and we'll go to the Lord in prayer. It says, when Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, this is verse 22, I'm sorry, chapter 6, verse 22. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he cried out, O sovereign Lord, I'm doomed. This is from the NLT translation, so you might just want to listen. I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. It is all right, the Lord replied, don't be afraid, you will not die. And Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and named it Yahweh Shalom, which means our Lord is peace. The altar remains in Oprah in the land of the clan of Abiezer to this day. That night the Lord said to Gideon, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one that is seven years old, put down your father's altar Pull down your father's altar in Baal, altar to Baal, and cut down the Asherah pole that's standing beside it. So do you hear this? Take the second bull that's in the father's herd that's exactly seven years old, take that bull and pull down your father's altar to Baal and the Asherah pole that's basically in his backyard, okay? Then build an altar to the Lord your God here on this hilltop sanctuary, "...laying the stones carefully, sacrificed the bulls of burnt offering on the altar, and using as fuel the wood of the ashra pole, you cut down here." So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord had commanded, but he did it at night because he was afraid of the other members of his father's household and the people of the town. Early the next morning, as the people of the town began to stir, someone discovered the altar of Baal had been broken down and the ashra pole beside it had been cut down." In the place, a new altar had been built, and on it was the remains of a bull that had been sacrificed. The people said to each other, who did this? After asking around and making a careful search, they learned that it was Gideon, the son of Joash. Bring out your son, the men of the town demanded of Joash. He must die for destroying the altar of Baal and for cutting down the Asherah pole. But Joash shouted to the mob that confronted him. Well, this sounds like today, don't it? A big mob angry because he tore down a pagan idol on his own backyard. And the mob is angry and saying, we've got to kill him for uh, tearing down our pagan altar and building an altar to the true God. Remember, these are Jews. These are people that were supposed to, by law, not make any graven images, not worship any idols. It was forbidden under their law to do it. So one guy decides to tear down his backyard idol and the whole town, there's a mob angry at what he did. It says, whoever pleads his, it says, um, why are you defending Bell?" This is what his dad said. Will you argue his case? Whoever pleads his case will be put to death by morning. Now this is fascinating because even though Bell worship was what they were doing in their country illegally, because under the law of God, you couldn't do it. They said, put him to death for destroying our illegal pagan God. And then he said, well, okay, even though it was his pagan altar, he said, you do realize by the law, you should be put to death for having a pagan altar. And so he uses the law and all of a sudden dad who had the pagan altar has boldness of God because his son had the courage to tear down the filthy pagan altar that was in his backyard. So somebody else got courage, right? And the dad said, whoever pleads the case of Baal will be put to death by morning. If Baal truly is a God, let him defend himself and destroy the one who broke his altar. From then on, Gideon was called Jerubael, which means let Baal defend himself because he broke down Baal's altar. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you this morning. Father, I pray that you would pour courage into your people. Let it be contagious. And Lord, let your spirit fill us, Lord God, for the hour that we live in, Lord, to do mighty things. In your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Title of my message is Contagious Cultural Courage. That's a tongue twister. I'm going to say it again. Hopefully I can get it, get it out of my mouth here. Contagious Cultural Courage. How many know we need cultural courage? How many would disagree with the idea that our Culture is going away from God. Is that an understatement? You look in our culture and what do we see? We see a culture that is as fast as we possibly can running away from God. And what are the Christians doing? Hiding. In fact, I want you to look at the condition of the people in chapter 6, verse 1. Listen to the condition of the Israelites. Verse 1, it says, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. This is before this event with Gideon. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. So who handed them over to their oppressors? God. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, the caves, and the strongholds. Wherever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying crops as far away as Gaza. Do you understand what's happening here? Attackers from the east, Gaza's all the way to the west, they were going all the way from the east to the west, all the way from the south, all the way up to um, where the Sea of Galilee is, all the way to the north. These marauders would come in like locusts. They would steal all their crops, all their food. And guess what the people of God were doing? They had hiding places. They would hide their crops. They would hide anything valuable. Because every year the marauders would come in with large numbers. They would cover the ground and they would steal everything that they had. And every year, do you understand there's an enemy that was stealing their food Stealing their lifestyle, stealing everything. And you say, man, that would not happen to us. And look at us. Look at what we're living in right now. We're in a cultural oppression. We're being oppressed. And guess what? You say, well, it's not that big of a deal to stand up to Black Lives Matter. Do you realize Black Lives Matter admits that they are a a Marxist organization? Everything they say is they're Marxist. Go and study what Karl Marx believed and what he taught and what they are teaching and what they are, are believing. They're believing in tearing apart the nuclear family. Communism is real. Guess who wants these communist leaders to tear our country apart? Communist nations. Communist China. You say, well, Chad, you're, this is just a conspiracy theory. It's very real. They're clearly trying to destroy fathers in the home, mothers in the home, a nuclear family. And they're like right now destroying our nation because we've turned our back on God. We're too afraid to stand up against the marauders who are stealing everything in our culture. And Christian churches aren't standing up and preaching the truth and aren't telling you exactly what's happening. And you're not standing up. Guess what? We're going into the rocks and the crevices and the caves and we're hiding and we're letting them steal everything. You say, what are they stealing? They're stealing your children's lives, your family's future. Am I telling the truth this morning? And guess who the gods of the Am- Amalek, the Amalekites, the Midianites, all of these Arab peoples, do you know who their God was? Baal. Do you know who Baal's consort was? His female, uh, spouse, I guess you would call, it, would be Asheroth. Guess what they had in their yard? Baal and Asheroth. Guess what they had all across the country? These nations forced them, listen to me, forced them to serve their gods. In fact, it was in a prominent place. If you read the story, in fact, I will have a very long sermon if I read everything in those two chapters, in chapters 6 through 8. But let me tell you the story, okay? These people were coming in, and they were these people were forced to serve Baal. So in a very high mountaintop area, a hilltop in the center of town, they erected a statue Okay, there was a shrine that was built to Baal and Ashtaroth, and they were in the backyard of Joash, who was the father of Gideon, okay? And the people began to cry out, and they said, God, why are we being oppressed? Why are we being destroyed? Why is our land being consumed? And God sent an unknown prophet, as you'll see in chapter 6 of Judges. Go home and read it. He sends an unknown prophet, and the prophet says, because you've turned your back on God and served their gods. I've given you over to them. And so the people began to cry out when they heard this. And so God is going to call a man to stand up to the oppression. So how do we stand up to the oppression? Where does it start? How do you start a revolution to stand up to the oppression of the enemy in our country? And God has given us a blueprint with Gideon. And he said, Gideon? Well, what what qualified Gideon? Nothing. He was like the worst person to call, okay? So Gideon is actually sitting at this altar in his dad's yard, right? And when God finds him, he's actually threshing wheat in a wine press and we say to ourselves, well that's not unusual, is it? You know that when you thresh wheat normally, you do it in the open wind. Because you've got to separate the heavy elements from the light elements. So you throw it in the air and the heavy elements fall. The lighter elements get winnowed away. He's hiding in an enclosed location because he's afraid they're going to take his wheat. The angel of the Lord comes and says, Gideon, our hero. You brave man of valor, some of your versions will say. And Gideon's saying like, what? I'm from the weakest tribe and among the weakest tribe, I'm from the weakest family, and I'm the weakest one of my family. That's exactly what he says to the angel of the Lord. But then the angel of the Lord says, no, I'm going to send you in your strength, and you're going to do what I've called you to do. And he says, well, give me a sign. In fact, I love that. Uh, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. You know, all along the way, God is encouraging him to make him strong. God is pouring His Spirit on him to allow him to do the things He's called him to do. And God is encouraging him and taking Gideon on little steps. Little steps to make change. And guess where the change and the steps start first? In his own backyard. So he starts in his own backyard. And how many know that before God can change your community, before God can change your nation... How many know that God takes baby steps with you, and He asks you to just start in your own backyard? If you're ever going to make change in the world, if you're ever going—I mean, we see the change and we get overwhelmed and we say, "What can I do?" And God says, "Hey, start in your own life." And so God gives him a command, and you say, "Well, man, I wish God would give me clear, simple, understandable commands." But how many of you know His written word is very clear and very simple? If we'll read it. And we'll be instructed by it and we'll be obedient to it. And see, um, Gideon didn't have 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 books in the New Testament, and 66 total books with all these commands and the life of Christ to follow. He just had the command the Lord gave him for that moment. And he said, Gideon, here's what I want you to do. I want you to tear down the shrine. And you don't understand how big this thing was. It was a giant altar to Baal. It was a Asherah pole, and you don't know what was associated with it. We don't understand it, but how many understand that in order to have good crops in the favor of the God of Baal, you had to perform sexual rites around that shrine? In order to please Baal, it was associated with lots of immoral, terrible, awful, sexual things that had to be done around the temple, around the altar of Baal. This was a cultural mess. How many know that? Have you ever studied the Bible and seen worship of Baal? It's sick, immoral, terrible behavior. And you say, man, I'm glad our country doesn't do that kind of thing. And it infiltrated Israel. And all across Israel was this immoral, sexual behavior. The worship of Baal, it brought in immoral sexual practices. They went from a nation that was uh, morally good in 200 years, they'd slipped into very immoral and did what the nations around them had done. And how many of you know that's where we're at? We started on a pretty Puritan foundation and we've slipped into a pretty godless culture doing the things that all the nations around us are doing. I see a mirror here. And so he says, Gideon, I want you to tear down Bell Shrine. And Gideon is still a little bit scared. In fact, it makes a point of noticing that Gideon questions God. And he says, hey, I'm going to do it at night instead of during the day, the Bible points out, because he was afraid they would kill him while he was doing it. And he wanted to accomplish it, so he waits till the nighttime. So in the nighttime, he takes 10 men, he goes in, he takes the bull and tears down the shrine, cuts down the trees, and and they say it was probably beautifully landscaped, had trees and groves around it, had a big centerpiece where the whole town could see it. And here's what happened. In the morning, everybody wakes up and it's all burnt down. It's all tore down. Everything that they had built for Baal is gone. And on the altar, it says, altar to Yahweh, built a whole different way, had a bull on it and said, this is dedicated to the true God of heaven. And I want you to think what that felt like. And in order for God, now get this, in order for God to bring revival to Israel, somebody had to stand up to the false God of Baal. And can I tell you something? I was inspired this weekend. I was absolutely, in fact, titled my message, Contagious Cultural Courage. And can I get this on record? This is not a political message. I'm not a political person. I don't preach political things. But can I tell you something? In 2016, Donald Trump was in a Um, debate with Hillary Clinton. And they asked him, do you intend to overturn Roe versus Wade? And I was really shocked at his answer. I could not believe it. He um, He said, if you were to overturn it, it would go to the states. And the states would have the ability to legislate abortion. And they said, but do you intend to do it? And he said, yes. If I were to put two to three judges on the seat, effectively, it would end Roe versus Wade. Yes. And I remember thinking to myself, that's not going to happen. That's so, I mean, I remember that, that, that debate where he said that. And I was thinking, man, that's unreal that he said that. And can I tell you something? Sometimes you have unlikely people that God raises up. Can I tell you, a lot of people really hate Donald Trump and a lot of people love Donald Trump. Some deify him, some defy him. And I'm not one of those that worships anyway. But can I tell you something? Donald Trump put Christians to shame. Christians sat on their butts, refused to stand up, and that guy stood up and did what he said he was going to do. Those Supreme Court justices didn't have to make that ruling. They had a very simple ruling they could have made on a very simple case. And they went far beyond that case and said, you know what? This is unconstitutional. It never has been constitutional. We're going to overrule Roe versus Wade. And you know what? Everybody woke up and all of that false pagan, you know, 63,485,000 Children are dead because of that decision. I want you to think of that in a giant pit, all those bodies, 63 million. You say, well, every one of them probably had a good reason. Can you honestly tell me that every one of those people had a good reason for killing that baby? In fact, I was looking at news stories. and I know this is uncomfortable, but please hear me out for the rest of the Bible story. I was looking at the different people who were celebrating. There was a liberal group of women, feminists. They were celebrating Roe versus Wade being overturned. And they had broken a story two years ago from Washington, D.C. How many seen this story? Two years ago in Washington, D.C., they were outside of an abortion clinic there to talk to the director about some kind of um, ability to help mothers who were pregnant and they were consulting there with the director. Well, anyway, a bio lab truck came in, took some boxes. They talked to the driver and they said, do you know what's in those biohazard boxes? They said, no. And they said, dead babies. And so they talked to him for a while and he said, if I give them to you, what will you do? And they said, we'll give them a proper funeral. And so they took the boxes, which I'm not advising a person to do it or don't do it, but they took the boxes, they named each one of the babies. There were 115 babies in there. One of those babies was a nine-month-old baby, completely intact, completely whole, and was in that box. They gave them names. They had a priest do funerals for the uh, babies, and then they were arrested, and the FBI was sent by the Attorney General to come arrest them and put them in jail. But how many know that's one abortion clinic That was illegal. That's an illegal act. That's infanticide to take a nine-month-old baby. And I know this is tough on a Sunday morning. But church, if we're ever going to see God bless us again, we've got to be willing to have contagious cultural courage. And can I tell you something? When Gideon stood up and everybody woke up the next morning and wanted to kill Gideon, how many know suddenly Joash, his father, who had the shrine in his backyard... The men came and said, kill him, he has torn our shrine apart. And Joash, because of the courage of his son, finally got enough nerve, you know, this guy who had no courage whatsoever, finally, because his son's life was in peril, said, look, we're not even allowed to have illegal pagan idols in our nation, so whoever defends Baal will die by morning. And then they shut up and nobody bothered him. That's all he had to do. He was a leader and an authority. and All he had to do was stand up. And you say, well, man, what does this cultural courage lead to? Well, things quieted down. People began to destroy the idols in their community. And then all of a sudden, another season comes along. And guess what the enemy figures out? The enemy figures out that, hey, they're tearing down some of our gods. They're tearing down some of our idols So they said, we better make war against God's people. They're beginning to fight our oppression. And so 135,000 of their army ends up in the Valley of Megiddo, which is where the future Battle of Armageddon will be. And Jezreel or Megiddo is the area it's called. And they all camp in that area and they're fierce. 135,000. And so um, they see all the people there, and guess who everybody gravitates toward? Gideon. Because he was the one that was not afraid. And even though he questioned God, he has all kinds of, God, are you sure? God, give me a sign, give me another sign, give me another sign. All of a sudden, he gets filled with the Spirit of God, and 35,000 people gather to him, and he's ready to make war against the oppressors of his nation. And God says, wait a minute, Gideon, you can't go to battle with 35,000 people against 135,000. Because if you win, then the people are going to think that they did it. They're going to think that their armies did it and and Gideon did it. And he said, we can't do that. And he said, I want you to go to the people and I want you to tell them if they aren't ready to fight or they're not eager to fight or they're a little scared, go home. And so 25,000 of the people went home. And he was left with 10,000. And then God said, no, that's still too many, Gideon. You can't fight 135,000 with 10,000 people. They're going to think they're going to get the credit for it. And I don't want them to get the credit for it. I want to get the glory for it. God wants the glory. Hallelujah. He said, so here's what I want you to do. In fact, uh, he told him to take him down to a brook. It's called Gideon's Brook, and it's still there today. You can go to that brook and drink water out of that brook. And uh, it's called Gideon's Brook, and he took him down to that brook. And he said, okay, find the ones that cup their hands and drink like a dog and lap at the water. He goes, keep them as your warriors. But the ones that aren't so desperate and just kind of reach down and drink with their mouth, he said he let them go home. And so he sends them all home. 300 people are left and God says, okay, here's the plan. Put a jar and a light in each one's hand. Go to them at midnight. And he goes, and if you're still not sure you're going to win with 300 people, get in. here's what I want you to do. Gideon was still unsure. I mean, no, he wasn't this bold guy that would just run through. He was still afraid in lots of different places that God wouldn't be there for him. And God said, if you're still afraid, go to the enemy's camp and I want you to hear what they're saying. So he went to the enemy's camp and went around the campfire and was listening to them talk. And one of the guys told the other guy, hey, I had a dream last night. I had a dream that um, a, a, bread, a piece of barley bread fell on our army and crushed us. And that, and he says, what does that mean? He says, it means that Gideon has been given victory over us. And Gideon walked away and realized that God had went before him. And so they go at midnight they all have jars in their hand. Three companies of 100, 300 men. And he says, okay, when I blow this shofar, we all blow them at the same time. When we blow them, you've got a shofar in one hand, you've got a jar in the other hand. Blow it and then crush the jars. And some reason, I don't know what happened, confused them so bad they started fighting each other and they took off running. And then all those men that they sent away, uh, he said, come on back now. They're on the run, chase them. And then the men actually got mad and said, why didn't you let us help? How many know that one man standing up for God and standing against the culture and standing against the false gods that have crept into our nation, one man with the courage to stand up was so contagious that there were 35,000 men willing to chase the enemy. How many know there are a lot of Christians that are sitting around ready to fight? They're just waiting for people to stand up. They're waiting for people to be Christians. They're waiting for people to stand for the truth and do what is right. I'm talking about contagious Christianity. I'm talking about contagious courage, the courage that Jesus had to stand up for the truth, even if it meant his own life. Every one of his apostles stood up, even though it was going to mean death. And you know what? We get so intimidated by these groups in this country that say, if you stand up, we're going to intimidate you. And we keep backing down, hiding in the rocks. And God hasn't called us to hide. God's called us to preach the truth, to tell the truth. Abortion is wickedness. It always has been. And we're afraid to say it because we're afraid to hurt somebody's feelings. Hallelujah. Am I telling the truth? We got to start standing up because it's going to take your children. It's going to press your society. It's going to destroy our country as we know it if we don't start standing up for the truth. Hallelujah. And so Gideon... The entire army that left and left him with 300, the 300 put 135,000 to flight. Then everybody else jumped in from all across the nation and ran them out of the nation and God gave them peace for 40 years. Hallelujah. Isn't that amazing? And can I tell you something? There are some unlikely people right now that are standing up and being heard In fact, do you know the beating that Donald Trump has taken in the last four years? And like I said, this isn't a political message, but that guy has taken a beating. And he's done, you you know, they told him, don't make Jerusalem the capital of Israel. You know that Jerusalem has never been called the capital of Israel. You know why? Because they said it would start World War III. And so even though it's their capital, everybody... um, decided Tel Aviv was the capital and the entire world recognized Tel Aviv as the capital and and, and and Donald Trump was like, Well what is the capital? And they said Jerusalem. Okay, we're gonna name Jerusalem capital, we're gonna put our embassy there. Well nobody has an embassy there. If you do that there'll be World War II. Put the embassy there and what happened? All these supposed enemies, all this supposed intimidation, all these supposed people that you can't do this and you can't do that. He said, the Golan Heights, that's Israel's territory. It's been Israel's territory since 1967. They won it in the war. And they said, well, if you name that Israel's territory, well, whose territory is it? Israel's. Well, if you name it Israel's territory, you know what's going to happen? You're going to start World War III. Okay. I point it. It's Israel's territory. Well, you can't put Supreme Court justices on to overturn Roe versus Wade. If you overturn Roe versus Wade, there's going to be a war in this country. Okay, I'll put three justices on the Supreme Court. You know how many times we've sent Republican presidents to the White House and they wouldn't put a justice on there that would support overturning Roe versus Wade? You say, well, Chad, you're being very political this morning. I don't really care. I'm not here for money. I'm not here for your tax exemption. I'm not here for any of that. I'm here for the truth. I'm not elevating Donald Trump because Donald Trump tomorrow could do things that are against God. But if somebody is fighting for the truth, we need to have some courage as Christians and stand up. We've hidden in the rocks for way too long. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet this morning. Woo, I'm done. Well, that was a nice message, wasn't it? And I only got into one issue this morning, but church, we gotta stand up. Hallelujah. Where's my worship team? Uh oh. Yeah, come on up. All right. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father. Lord, we see, Lord, the courage of Gideon, Lord. Lord, let us read this story and be strengthened and encouraged. He started off as a person who had no courage. then by the power of your Holy Spirit, he took small steps. Started in his backyard, then into his community, and Lord, then the nation, Lord God. And Father, right now, we have the same oppressive spirits in this nation, Lord God. Evil, Lord God, wickedness in high places. Lord, demonic entities, Lord God, that would love nothing more than destroy our nation, and our future, Lord. Lord, I pray today that you would raise up Christians, Lord God, with the Spirit, uh, same Spirit that Gideon had upon him, Lord God, to not fear, Lord God, not back up, Lord, not be afraid. Lord, though their enemy was large, Lord God, Father, that enemy was massive, Lord, but somehow he wasn't afraid by your Spirit, Lord. Lord, it reminds me of the spirit of David, Lord. Reminds me of the spirit of you, Lord Jesus. Lord, put that in your church and in your people. Hallelujah. Church, I just want to encourage you this morning. Oh, I want to encourage you to read this story. Go home and dive into it and apply it to your own life. What's God want to do this morning? What's God want to do in your family, in your own backyard? What's God want to do in your community? Don't be afraid anymore. Our days of hiding in the rocks are done. We can't hide in the rocks anymore. We can't be quiet anymore. We can't quit voicing the truth anymore. We got to voice the truth in love. We got to voice the truth in love. Hallelujah! Because God wants to have an, God wants to bring revival to this nation. And how many know He could not bring revival to Israel until somebody addressed the pagan gods. Somebody had to shatter the altars and make an altar for God and say, no longer will I live under this tyranny. No longer will I live under these false gods. No longer will I live under the protection of a pagan god. Let's wipe the whole thing out. And then his new name was, let Baal defend himself. If Baal is such a great god, let him come after me, is what he said. And he said, my god is greater than any false god. And can I tell you today, if you're afraid of Antifa, you're afraid of BLM, if you're afraid of all these organizations that are trying to intimidate, you need to know that the God that you serve is bigger than the God of this world. And we need to stand up and we need to be heard. And we need to pray powerfully. We need to shake. We need to rattle principalities and high places. How many know this nation has principalities and high places? And it's time that we start shattering the enemy. It's time we start shattering the enemy's altars. Everything that stands against God, we need to rise up, church. Our our future's at stake. How many know that? Hallelujah. Let's just come. Find a place at the altar. Find a place at your seats. If you need prayer, you say, Chad, I want that kind of courage. I want to pray over you. Hallelujah. Find a place to pray. I want to read uh, this passage real quick as I close. Um, I want you to recognize the transformation in Gideon. Uh, Gideon went his whole life and had never seen anything miraculous. He'd never seen God move, he'd never seen God do anything mighty, Uh, he'd never seen anything in his midst that was miraculous. And I say that because, listen to this, he says, Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree of Oprah, which belonged to Joash. Gideon, the son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of the winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. He's hiding, and he says, The Lord is with you. Mighty hero. He says, Sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why Has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? You see, he hadn't seen any miracles in his life. He hadn't seen anything miraculous. He said, where are the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have. And rescue Israel, rescue your nation from the Midianites. I am sending you, Gideon. But the Lord Gideon replied, How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. The Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Do you understand the kind of man God took and made change? It took a man that had never seen a miracle, a man who had never seen God moving in his midst. And God said, just believe me and just trust me and just be obedient. And you know how quickly God said, destroy this in your backyard. And guess what he did? He immediately said, okay, I'm going to get 10 men. I'm going to get a bull. I'm going to pull it down. And when morning comes, the whole thing is going to be pulled down. And it's going to be a place that's dedicated to God. How I many know you could do that in your life today. You could go home, tear down all that work of the enemy. And say, you know what? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And you know what? Gideon was therefore ready for when God called him to save the nation. And can I tell you, as sure as I'm standing here, we're going to be called to save this nation. God's going to call us to stand up. God's going to call us to speak out. God's going to call us to no longer be quiet. And He's going to expect us to speak. He's going to expect us to have boldness. He's going to expect us not to fear for our lives, not to fear for our livelihoods. How many know the period of time we're going into right now, we're going to have to have some Christians that are going to stand up. Hallelujah. There's no more time for sitting back and saying, I don't want to ruffle any feathers. You know, we've been politically correct for too long, church. I'm not talking about being mean. I'm talking about standing up for what's truth. And you say, well, man, I don't know, man. I might lose my job or they might write me up. You know, Gideon almost lost his life. The whole town wanted to kill him. (laughs) That's our example. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord. Father, holy boldness. Oh, Father, a revival is coming, Lord God. Father, we're going to uh, confront the enemy. Lord, we're going to tear down every enemy altar. Father, we're going to speak the truth in the face of lies. Father, we're going to be bold as a lion. You said that the, the wicked they run, but the righteous they are bold as a lion. Father, you're raising your church up for this hour to be mighty. I speak that over this congregation, Lord, and over this church in the city, Lord. I speak it over every Christian in this nation, Lord. Boldness, Lord God, with the Holy Spirit. In your name I pray, Lord Jesus. And everybody said, amen, Lord. Hallelujah.